We're in business. We're in business. Thank you, Greg. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for coming along. I'll just scan around you as I'm talking. Um, A number of those comments that were on that document there are based upon a normal bio that I would give out to people who ask for bios. And I might, if we have time, because we don't have much time, we only only have half an hour, I might get to some of those things more specifically because they're a little bit linked to some of the sort of academic research I'm doing at the moment. And I don't really want to bore you with a lot of that, but I will talk a little bit about that when we get there. Wanted to do a few things, wanted to focus on a few things. One was to give you a little bit of background about where a work like this comes from in terms of my own practice. And I wanted to just talk about a few things that have risen up in doing the work and I've heard that other people have brought to it in terms of what is it about and so on. I did an undergraduate degree in drawing, study drawing. Three years, perceptual drawing. What used to be Paran College in Paran is now the drawing department at the VCA. Always done drawing, always been interested in drawing. The very sort of uh, action, practice of drawing. Studied later, painting, so on and so on and so on. Over the last 20 years, whilst I've been doing painting works and so on, I've always shown drawing works. And indeed, in the very first show that I had, which was about 18 years ago now, I had done a body of paintings which constituted that show, but for some reason, in the last sort of two months before the show came on, I had this sense that I needed to accompany that painted work with a set of drawing works and I installed in the small little gallery like the one over there a sequence of sort of disconnected drawing panels which in some ways or drawing sheets were the research that had gone behind the paintings that were on display in the gallery and so there was a sense of saying that the drawing the act of drawing the uh, process of drawing was sort of uh, an essential and important part of a practice. That something is revealed in the act of drawing, either in the type of knowledge it produces or the type of traces that it generates, that I was interested in. Later I thought about that process of drawing in certain terms. You'll have to forgive me if I have to refer to some notes. One of which was the notion that drawing participates in a field of information. There was this idea that somehow I was gathering together material and, and uh, representing it, or at least assembling it, in a field. Now, the, of course, the idea of field, the notion of a field of anything, in particular comes out of sculptural ideas. The ideas of uh, Rosalind Krauss, who talks about an expanded field of sculpture. Ordinarily, drawing would be associated, associated with a vertical ground, 
the notion of a window, and a lot of the works in this show deal with that, and that's certainly what I come out of. This idea that somehow a field of information has a sense of a horizontal spread, something I was interested in. And in subsequent works, I'll try and get this through quickly, in subsequent works, again, I often showed painting works with drawing works. And in a sequence of shows I had uh, in the late 90s, into the start of the 2000s, involved painted works, but also long drawing works on tables. There were a couple shown down at ACCA, Australian Centre for Contemporary Art, and at some various other places. These were long spreads of paper, about 50 centimetres wide and up to 30 metres long, shown on a table. They were made on a table in my studio where I would accrue bits and pieces and doodles, anecdotes, abstract gestures, accidental spills, highly rendered images, a whole range of things that were brought together in what I very much understood as a field, as a narrative field. Uh, they were shown against some painted works, and again, they're often about the same issues, but with the information that was contained presented in a different form. And I was very interested in this notion that it's not just the sort of pictorial or informational content that matters, it's the form in which it obtains or the form in which it's experienced that is essential to how work operates. One of the interesting things about that, these table works, which are not dissimilar in sort of uh, proportion to this work, I was very interested in how the space that I occupied when I made those works, standing over a table, drawing on the flat, was very similar to the posture and the space that a viewer encountered the work. So when a viewer would come to the work, there was this sort of close parallel between them standing over, experiencing work with a certain sort of intimacy that was quite similar to the how I was making it. It seemed to me this was, I mean, as I came to realise, this was sort of one of the key uh, engine rooms in the work, this notion of generating this bodily closeness. Again, quite sculptural ideas. Before I went to art school, I studied architecture. Studied architecture down at Melbourne Uni, was interested in those sorts of things. I've worked over in sculpture for 15 years, initially teaching drawing to sculpture students, so it's always been something that I've been interested in. I used to do, included in these long drawings, lots of architectural studies, sort of rendered, sort of wireframe perspective type drawings that seemed to generate a type of space. They represented a space. Uh, and more recently, when I've sort of stopped painting and been focusing just on some of the sort of issues that come out of a drawing practice, and some of my students who are here will know that I often refer to any practice, let alone a drawing practice, I refer to it as a verb. Very interested in the notion of drawing in its verb sense, not in its noun sense. I'm interested in it as an artefact, as a trace, as an action of something that you are doing, whether it's accidental or otherwise. <clears throat> um, so more recently, I've been concentrating on a drawing process and so, uh, drawing practice, and some of that has come out through this PhD, which is just a form of formalised research, which occurs increasingly with artists working in institutional settings and so on. But it's it's also uh, part of the nature of having an art practice. I mean, I have studied over the years in at least four or five different ways: in undergraduate, honours, postgraduate masters and so on and that's been an interspersed thing it's almost like uh, 
the people who I was taught by, you did a three-year undergrad, that was it. You came out as an artist. But there's a sort of context of ongoing what's nowadays called research, but at least in the past I would have understood as just sort of developing your work. Um, now, <clears throat> some interesting ideas about gesture and gesture in the work. I mentioned about verb and noun. Some of the, uh, the thoughts that I've been thinking through recently about drawing projects have centred around, as uh, Evelyn mentioned in that introduction, about ideas of politics and ideas of uh, graphic arts. And I've been looking in particular at notions of how cartoons and cartooning relates to political art. Uh, I've been thinking through a few themes to do with that, and Evelyn mentioned them. Notions of anti-caricature, which I won't go into here because this work doesn't relate to it. Notions of narrative time or duration in a work. And notions of what I've come to think about as grotesque gesture. This notion of the grotesque. Gestures can have different sorts of uh, presence in the world. Now, the 1930s theatrical director and theorist, Bertolt Brecht, coined a term called the social jest. Social jest, G-E-S-T. And that jest is a translation from the German. And his idea is that it's not jest as in gesture, any old gesture. It's not a social jest as in terms of a gesticulation, whatever it happens to be. But he's saying, he argues that uh, there are different types of gestures or jests in the world and that depending on their situation, they become socially meaningful. So, for instance, he would say that the flicking off of a fly, the pushing away of a fly, is not a social jest. But the pushing away of a guard dog is... Similar body action has a different sort of significance in social terms. Another example he uses is a man falling over. I'm falling over, certain gesture, just falling over. But if I'm falling over and in the act of falling over I'm attempting to save face, this becomes a different activated sort of gesture. And it made me think of how we often see all those clips of politicians falling over. You know when they're coming off an aeroplane and they stumble, they trip over, these are often broadcast as if somehow this is a significant social moment. So this work in some ways I see in terms of being informed by that. It's not a political work per se, although there's some political context around. It's really a, uh, an experimental work out of the studio. But there is a sense of saying I was interested in making a sort of gesture in a public space. This, the work, which is called Manifesto Drawing, there's a set of works called Manifesto Drawing, partly linking to work that I've been doing, but a sense of a political manifesto in a public space. Many of the drawings that I've been doing on these table works, I began to think about the idea of support, ground and figure or mark. This is another one of the themes here, which I'll try and address in our time. I was interested in how the marks get onto a drawing. I've done a sequence of drawings in the past where, rather than using just the paper as the ground, I'd generate a sequence of accidental types of markings that became the ground on which I would then work. 
Those markings were a sequence of body prints, my body prints, which were then worked back into, as if somehow this is also a body that you're working into. Somehow the drawing is a body in its own self. Long history of that in art, artists printing their body. But also, rather than just doing, as it were, painted grounds, painting along a piece of paper and then drawing into it, I began to use other types of material. And I did a sequence of drawings or grounds that were mopped onto the paper. These long sheets of paper, taking them outside, black ink, mopping the ground. This notion of drawing using a mop. That's what that is. That's a drawing made with a mop in the studio. I know that Evelyn had said that a few people, whoever they are, but it's a valid question that came to my mind, had talked about in some ways, why, how is this a drawing? It's a very interesting question. Why is this a drawing? And in thinking through that, I was reminded of a British chap called Stephen Farthing who was here during the drawing conference a few weeks ago who presented a paper. But I'd, And so if you're not familiar with him, he's an English guy, professor of drawing at the Ruskin University in London, so on and so on. I was at a uh, conference with him up in Sydney a few years ago and he presented a paper about what is the difference between drawing and painting? What is the difference between drawing and painting? Given how the sort of genres have begun to collapse and in the context of notions of being, as Krauss has said, in a post-medium environment, I won't try to explain to you what she means by that, but you know you can read her references to that. Stephen Farthing had said difference between painting and drawing. Now his view was this. He said, this was his sort of answer to his own question, a painting is something where the support is completely covered and the painting occurs on that newly established ground. A drawing on the other hand is something where something of the ground remains. It's not painted out. This was what he came to at the end. And I think, well, that's a sort of interesting idea. That to paint out the whole ground seems very simple, but that's what he came to. Paint out the whole canvas, as it were, with oil paint or what have you. Then to paint on top of that, you're painting. But to just gesture onto the raw canvas, or canvas, for instance, with a gesso ground, whatever it happens to be, you're drawing. If you leave some of that white ground available, you're actually drawing. Maybe that's a reasonable thing. But I thought that would be an interesting idea to put to you about how this exists as an object. Certainly I see it as a drawing. I conceived it as a drawing. I enacted it as a drawing like many other drawings I would have done. There's some other questions about how this relates to the notion of the difference between drawing and sculpture. If it's valid to say, is it a drawing or is it a painting, to ask the question, is it a drawing or a sculpture? And plain you can see I'm interested in this. I would not have put this work in the show. I had a choice of works I could have put in the show. I was interested in doing a one-off work that did precisely this, that extended out into space, that was not a gesture on the wall, but was a gesture in space. I'll try and talk to you about that in a second. So is this a sculpture? It certainly partakes of sculptural aspects. Certainly uh, in the sense that it's uh, an object, occupies space, but in formal sculptural terms, and I won't go on too much, uh, there are some differences. In actual fact, it talks a little bit more about an installational work than a sculptural object, and there are formal reasons why. In sculptural object, in your traditional sculptural object, 
you'd be thinking of something as this presents in a sense of relief. Back wall comes out and normally the implication in that sense is quite a pictorial reading that there would be a preferred spot to read the work from. All the meaning you need to get can pretty much be got from a preferred spot. It's very much the condition of a two-dimensional drawing. Stand here, read the work. Standing over here, doesn't matter. Why would you stand over here? In my mind, this work is intentionally so that there is not an intentional place to read it from. You can walk all the way around it, read it from a number of spots. In fact, you can try and think about where I did it from. I certainly didn't make it from here. And referring to some of my earlier comments, your body should recognise that it's done here somewhere. So there's a sort of moving around it. It activates a certain sort of space, which would really relate it to installation. In that sense, it's a little bit different to a conventional sense of sculpture. How is it made? In the studio, I'll step back. Done a few other works called Manifesto Drawing. I was involved in a show out at Knox City where there was a set of people from RMIT, artists and uh, architects and so on. We were working in an old entertainment centre that was disused and they wanted to uh, get some artists to do some work to reinvigorate how the local community thought about this sort of emptied out space. What could they do with it? So artists come in, do stuff. I did a sequence of mopped gestures in white porcelain clay slip. That's what that is. White porcelain clay slip. On a black acrylic, on a timber that will apply or an MDF. And I did a sequence of very simple mopped drawings that were in about 20 panels that went from a kitchen out into the servery area and back into the kitchen. It was sort of like marking a trail. I was very interested in this sort of essential mark. In that sense, with the mop that I'd been using, but it linked to some of these things about kitchens and so on and so on. So here, I was interested in not making an image. I was more, or not representing something, I was more interested in manifesting something which is very much about what drawing is about. The notion that the mark on the paper in its correlation to the act, if you like, its indexical uh, existence, you make the mark and it traces the mark that you're making, manifests a drawing. So in some ways, that's what I was interested in here, that this manifests a sense of gesture, maybe it's a social gesture, certainly in the context of art and in a gallery, it's a type of loaded gesture, sense of time, sense of my body, sense of your body, and if we wanted to go further, which I don't, but there could be a notion of a Zen sort of mark, a balanced mark, a moment of, of uh, properness and so on. And certainly in the studio, I did six or seven of these played with what the nature of the form would be. I set up some single pieces. So that was a single piece and mopped that. But I wasn't interested in the nature of the curve being so already established by the ground, by the support. So I fragmented that and kept it as this panel. So it just there was a play. There's a play between, if you like, the organic sweep of the mop and the ground that it was on.
really no more complex than thinking, no, no, I quite like this rather than the other one. <coughs> so I had done a number of these tests in the studio and in doing that, this work then is just part of a broader body of works that I would be doing. This is sort of an early one and I would be looking later on to think about how else I might install these. Uh, in terms of how work like this gets made, so I would have to, not in this case, I would make a proposal, think about a space, and I might think, begin to think about a more complex tracing through space. It seems to me, I will put it this way, I'm not quite sure of the sort of experiential differences between the notion of a drawing of space, a representation of space, and what it tries to get us to think about, and as I put it, a manifestation of space. Now, I mean, I'll get through this and then maybe we can ask a few questions and we'll probably be finished. One of the things when Evelyn said about PhD, and again, I don't want to emphasise that, but it's been a really very, very, very interesting process for me after some amount of practice to be involved in sort of more rigorously trying to rethink through things that I do, and it's been really valuable, really interesting. Uh, another theorist which we don't have to mention theorists and it's good to mention them when what they have to say is relevant. The um, Russian literary theorist called Mikhail Bakhtin, B-A-H-K-T-I-N, talks about a notion of grotesque method. This is something that he wrote about in terms of medieval writing and so on, about ideas of the carnivalesque, satire, and so on in relation to public figures. Now I'm interested in the way that public cartoons do that, the way that they seek to pull down or make us rethink about a public figure, a politician. And part of his notion of this uh, grotesque method is the idea that, that societies implement things... Sorry, that's not me. Um, implement things that draw experience and ideas from the worldly level down into based levels. And he means by that the shit, piss, abject, low-down, dirty, comedic, uncontrolled aspects of life as a way of remaking uh, and rebuilding societies or what have you into a, a sort of new understanding. And so, you know, his examples are of the carnivalesque, the king lets people in medieval you know, England, or he's talking about in France, he's talking about Rabelais, the writer in France, allows the societies to have their day of turning thing, everything upside down, releases pressures and so on and so on. He talks about this as grotesque method and he locates particular things. I'm quite interested in that. And I've done other sets of shows that utilise some of those notions, this cyclical sort of thing. And partly that, what, that is what was informing this as well. Why not just do a mop on the floor? You know, I could have trailed, I guess, if I'd wanted to. But the truth is, in this gesture, I was simply interested in running something from the top down up to this little scoop and then running it back up. Very simple, reciprocating gesture. Really no more than that. Um, So, as was said, that was some of the background 
behind the drawing, some of the thoughts about how it comes to be this form. There are a few other things, some inversions. I had been making some other drawing works where I had some porcelain containers that I'd made just over the road here. Really, Jerry built little porcelain containers where the porcelain container, either fired or unfired, captured acrylic pigment dripping. This was a little inversion of that. I'd make the ground out of a black acrylic and then gesture the porcelain slip onto that. So a few other little plays and bits and pieces with that. Um, so how do I see it? I see it as a sort of poetic gesture in space. Uh, I don't see it as containing anything more than that. In fact, I see it in some ways as the equivalent to any mark in this drawing, in, in this room. All of these drawings are made up out of gestures, but they are composite sort of objects made out of numerous, numerous gestures that seem to come to a larger reading. But as we all know, we should all still be able to look into any of them and see some sort of gesture as the mark of the trace that is made by that maker. Alright, I might stop. Does anyone have any questions? Or observations? Please. Clay as a, as a medium and particularly porcelain. Yep. Oh, okay. I had used other paper clays. Now, I'm no ceramicist. Know some ceramic, ceramicist people here. I was interested in not using an acrylic. Didn't want to use a conventional drawing medium. Wanted to use something that was a little bit unconventional, not just for here but in other places as well. And I really like the idea of clay with its soupy thickness and you, the way you make it is you get the block of clay and you have to literally make your sort of pigment by breaking it up with water. Sort of interesting thing. Is it symbolic in terms of earthiness and stuff? No, not really. Uh, had used paper clay, I like the irony of it being clay with paper in it in a sense of drawing. But in this case, I just like the whiteness of the paper, of the porcelain. That's why porcelain. It's also fun in the studio. It's quite messy. It's a very strange thing where the studio gets all messy with these blitch and blotches. Look, I would have loved to have done this here. Strictly, I mean, it's another discussion. This should have been done on site. Remember, this is a work that is made elsewhere. So you, in, on one level, you're in the presence of theatre. It's staged. The drawing, really the way I've spoken about it, it occurs in the studio. And if I'd been able to, not that I even asked Irene, God forbid, because the rest of the show was in place, then I may have splattered it in here. But then there would have been a lot of stuff on here as well. Because it's the, um, the, the clays as mineral as close to graphite and pencil than perhaps paint. Sure. Have I necessarily thought it through in that depth? Not really. <laughs> More accurately, no, not at all. <laughs> Sorry. It's more of a comment, it's clay like to me. Uh, it was like, it's like a sculptural material. It, well, it is, that's its tradition. I mean, you know, people make objects, but it does crack and it changes. And this has been kicked over at least four times that I know of since it's been here. It was kicked over at the opening twice. <laughs> and you, you'll see some of the breakaway, which is like, you know, so what, doesn't really matter. This will be destroyed. 
when the show's gone, in the dumpster. Any other thoughts, questions? Greg, the work is incredibly rich with layers of meaning and um, you've teased out some of those. And I guess in Robin asking a question about why porcelain, I'm thinking of porcelain, I, what I bring to the work is sure. um, the idea of vessel, or as you've described, you've made vessels for another piece of work yep. porcelain. But also you describe the tool you use to put the porcelain on as mop, yep. not brush. No, it's a mop. So I mean, A mop from bunnies. Well, just one thing. A few of them. It's probably completely lightweight, but just thinking about mop as fem, you know, the, the idea sure. of women's work, and porcelain being something that you use in the kitchen to... In this work... I mean, to, to be frank, in this work, the mopping is about scale, but perhaps more particularly than its social connotations, which is what you're talking about. There's certainly a stronger connotation here of something from the flat, because that's what normally is mopped, being brought up into space. That's how I would read it. Uh, apart from that, the mop gives a certain scale to the mark. You can't paint that. You know, you can use... I mean, it's a different type of uncontrollable mop. But in other cases where I started to use the mop, as I mentioned, it was done in the backyard, in that, and much of the imagery that would have been worked onto that, remember I referred it to a notion of the body, because it's associated with body prints as well, would then play against that. So there would be more of that sort of social, if you like, meaning in the imagery playing against some of those connotations. I mean, to me here, the domestic... I mean, I quite like those ideas that... that I mean, if the domestic means a certain sort of intimacy, a certain sort of notion of my space rather than a public space, a certain notion of labour, in fact, then this is what this is. And in its simplicity, in its sort of uh, elegance, then I think we get back close again to Breck's notion of the social jest, that this is how this begins to read as a gesture in this, in this environment, this, you know, this temple of art environment. In making your mark, did you then look at it and lift out anything? No. Yeah, because it's quite interesting. The bottom mark to me looks like two hands with what was the cloth on. You mean here? Yeah. yeah. Just a moment. But I did do a number of them. Yeah. So you know, it's not it's not that or uh, it's not automatic writing. I did a number of them. So there are aesthetics. And it's not just aesthetics, there are, there are cognitive things happening. What is the nature of the mark, what is the content that the nature of this mark is communicating? Literally, because you have to control, this changes. When it's wet and you mop it on, it's one colour with a certain translucency and as it dries out it goes different. If you put too much on, it's just all white. And plainly, there is a notion of uh, uh, implicit in any mark in any mark, in numerous of these drawings, there are all of these, if you like, bodily connotations of pressure, uh, intent, and so on and so on, that get read through the nature of a mark. And so that would be present in here as well. Yep? And then the quintessential mark is black on white. And Indeed. Yeah. I was, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it could have been. I mean, I think I'd mentioned that I'd been doing black moppings on white paper, but if you're going to use 
porcelain clay, or any white, it could have been acrylic, but I wasn't interested in acrylic on acrylic on ground, um, then if you're going to use white, it could have been on the wood, the plain wood, but I was interested in restating the ground, not just having the, the support as the ground. These issues of some of the technical issues that this deals with, support, ground, figure, or mark, and so on. You know, support... Or is this the support? Or is that the support? Where's the ground? Especially in the context of what I said about Stephen Farthing talking about you know, his notions of the differences between painting and drawing, which I should say is not my concern. I'm, I'm quite happy to, you know, it's called a manifesto drawing, so I expect most people come in and say, oh, okay, because it's titled. The Japanese thoughts make any difference in drawing and painting. That's right. It's a Western tradition. I mean, one of the things, sorry, I'll get, one of the things I had early on I was extremely interested in was what happened to work when it rotated the 90 degrees from a conventional painting, which I saw as a traditional um, figurative or narrative window painting in the terms that I was doing it, and rotated that through 90 degrees to what then became a narrative ground. And this is what I had done with the drawing. It interested me much more. It changed the way that work got made. The long drawing works then became much more material and indeed I began to cut them up. Rather than a single ground, they would get cut up and I'd move a bit of a drawing from this end up to that end and cut it back into a drawing and this could be done at any stage. So it became much more sort of uh, montaging, even cinematic type of notion. Not necessarily evident here, but as part of the history of it. The, the ground for this um, drawing is really the context of this exhibition. And, uh, sure. I mean, that would be read to me, that's true, and that's picked up by that notion of Brecht's social jest. Brecht, who is the quintessential, you know, 20th century modernist, saying we work in a politicised environment and every gesture, everything we do cannot be removed from that. You cannot just open up a the theatrical space with its three walls and somehow say that world in there is completely different to the other world. He's the guy who coins the term the breaking of the fourth wall, the wall between the viewer and the theatrical space. This is not necessarily a very interesting topic, but really the way you might yeah, yeah, go ahead. the way you might think about this as a drawing is because you've decided to think of it as a drawing. Sure. But if I'd wanted to do a painting, yeah. I wouldn't have done this. And you would have worked with the context of painting in mind. Uh, a little bit, but not particularly. I brought it into here because I was told that some people had asked, why is this a drawing? I mean, to me, the obvious context is for this to, in, the, in an art environment, is to be read within uh, a social landscape of art art commenting on art as if somehow this is, in a, this is a debate between drawing and painting or anything else like that uh, that's okay, this is a reduced rather minimalist work and therefore I wouldn't expect that it would step outside of that but I'm not that interested in the discussion between painting and drawing simply because it doesn't need me to say anything about it Yes. Yeah. depends on how you, you know, how you, how you place yourself when you're making 
I mean, that would have been the most uh, that would have been the most controversial thing to do in a drawing called contemporary, in a show called contemporary Australian drawing, to have put a frame painting. Everything is contemporary. It's all time, isn't it? That's right. Well, we'll that's you should take that up with Irene when she talks about the show. Why she called it that? Sorry, Peter. I'm not trying to <laughs> deflect away, but that's fine. let you make that paraphrase. I don't know whether he'll let you make that paraphrase, but I won't go there. No, that's right. But he was, I mean, to be fair to him, and this was a 40-minute, 50-minute paper, at the end of which much, most of that paper was involved with his sort of, you know, perambulations around the, this sort of difficult question. At the end, he says, and sort of this is the simple thing I came with, which, which was sort of interesting. But I don't think those parameters are really relevant anymore. They don't really matter. I don't know why we become obsessed with that. Because the expanded... So, Peter, stop talking about painting. <laughs> no, I know. No, I, I can stand here and say I don't know what a drawing is, and uh, that's a wonderful idea, a wonderful thing to be able to play with. Sure. If you try to define it, you will destroy it. But we should also uh, remember the distinction that I made between verb and noun. This has an object, a noun, a drawing, as distinct from me emphasising the doing of it and placing it in that context as well. What's the time? Thank you. Thank you very much. These, these discussions and debates about what is drawing will continue throughout this exhibition and in two weeks we will have um, Bernard Sachs and John Pettipan also um, taking that line a bit further if we can use that metaphor. So thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Hold on, that was great. Good. <laughs>